right, all right, all right, all right. Welcome to Sunday School, everybody. This is a wonderful and fantastic Sunday evening uh, here for me. Uh, just getting a little bit of work done, working with the kids this afternoon, just having fun, trying to get my my hair done tonight, just all kind of things. But I'm not going to bore you with all the minutiae and the details of that crazy stuff. But today, we're going to talk about the documents, the forms that you need uh, to complete a Sunday school. I mean, a Sunday school. Listen, I'm so into my Sunday schools. Uh, <laughs> a subject to deal, right? Your creative finance deals need to have the right forms. And a lot of times people are asking for various kinds of things. And I'm going to just put some stuff together uh, so that I could share these things with you because it's absolutely necessary. And uh, there is a link in the description that you can download this. I'm giving them to you for free. I'm not charging you anything at all for those. Uh, you can go ahead uh, at any time. Uh, hit the link in the description and go ahead and uh, download the documents. You get a PDF version and there's also a version that you're going to get that's going to be emailed to you. So make sure you check your emails once you do that. So get yourself a pen and paper. I'm going to pull up the documents and everything we need while we're going through the intro and let's get to it. estate investor there's nothing to it sellers are just waiting for my call hey sick and tired of y'all calling me stop calling my phone i'm just sick of them sick so basically there's no competition all i have to do sell these out boom here comes the money real estate Easy money. Hey, get away from my car. <clears throat> my offers are solid and they always get accepted. Be nice. As real estate investors, we make our own hours. <sighs> Now all I have to do is put in these bandage signs. If you invest in real estate, you know exactly what you just saw. It can be problematic, right? It's the same group of people going after the same group of people saying the same thing to the same group of people. I get it, I've done it all. Some of those strategies can work, but it's all about messaging and numbers. But I'm here to tell you today that there's an absolutely better way to get things done, that you can double what you're doing. If you're a full-time investor already, you should be doing five to 10 deals a month. If you're not, let's have a conversation. If you're just getting started, this is the best way way for you to go go and get started if you don't have any money to put into marketing and you want to develop a pipeline of deals that's consistently coming through and you don't have to have the exact same conversation over and over and over again with another new seller. All you have to do is watch this study that I've put together for you. It's a little bit of a training and let's have a conversation afterward. I've been at this for more than two decades and we've developed strategies and relationships and systems and processes that allow our business to do 15 deals, 12 deals a month per 
market that we're in. And I want to share this information. Click the link below. Let's have a conversation. Peace. All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. So <clears throat> what do you need uh, when you're going to be doing these real estate deals? What does it mean to have a different set of documents, if you will, forms uh, for a creative finance structure uh, that's going to be done a little bit differently? And there's several different ways that this can get done. But I'm going to give you the basic uh, forms uh, that you're going to need because the structure could be different, right? It could be a straight uh, subject to, hey, what's going on, Paul? Welcome, my friend. It could be a, a subject to that's a, a mix between creative finance. I mean, uh, uh, not creative finance, a uh, uh, owner financing, excuse me, as well as the subject to, meaning they could have a whole bunch of equity and a small or relatively small uh, mortgage, right? It could be a situation where you know, it's just owner financing. You know, you do it a little bit differently, right? But we're going to go over what we're seeing a lot. I'm doing this because it seems like over the past couple of weeks, really since the new year, but this month in particular, deals have just been coming in and coming in and coming in from people that I'm working with. They're getting deals. Of course, we're getting deals. And everyone asks the same thing, right? Well, I need a subject to contract. There's no such thing. Albeit, you can make a contract that fits a subject to uh, deal. And I'm going to kind of go over some of those things with you. And it's extremely important that you know um, how to put these things together. I'm going to share them with you. We'll do another. We have another training. It's actually in the, in the um, educational platform. But where I go over how to fill these forms out, I mean, they're going to seem kind of self-explanatory. Well, let's just kind of get right to it. And again, if at any point you have any comments or question, anything you want to say, just let me know. Just put it in the comments. Let's have a discussion about it. I like to make sure that people are leaving this uh, platform with solid, actionable information. You got a question? That's what Sunday school is for. Uh, yeah, if you do make your own form, it has to be, well... I say it has to be looked over by, uh, I'm not sure who, uh, who put this up, but if you make your own form, it better be looked over by an attorney. That is a fact. You don't want to be putting contracts together that haven't been looked over. I mean, anybody can write a contract that says anything to anyone about anything. That's for sure. But when things start to go away from the law, right, when the verbiage in there is, uh, you know, getting further and further from the law, you know, the truth and the law can be two very different things though, but it is what it is, right? So without further ado, allow me to share my screen with you. There we go. All right. So this is just the disclaimers, you know, uh, we had to do it. Uh, those are things that needed to be done. Uh, this is just uh, creative financing method for subject to, right? So I'm, like I said, I want to keep it very specific to what this is for you because I can't, I don't want to go into all the other things because I want you to leave here with information, actionable information, right? Okay. So 
creative financing method. This is just talks about understanding your liens. Again, if you go into the description, wherever you're watching this, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, it doesn't really matter. Um, go into the description. And if you don't see it, let me know and I'll put it in here. Uh, somehow I'll get it in here to you, right? <laughs> so, um, but I'll get it in here for you some, some way. Uh, I'm not the most technological, right? So, you know, I'm not going to spend 10 minutes trying to figure it out either. If I have to email it to you or DM it to you, I'll do that. But you can get all these forms. This whole package that I'm sharing with you right now is a package that I put together uh, over the course of the past few weeks uh, just to share these documents with you. And you can download them. Uh, it's on the screen, boss. Okay, all right. Uh, yeah, it's on the screen, but you can download these forms. Just go ahead on in there, uh, download them. You're going to get a PDF version, but your email, in your email, you have to check your email, uh, you will get the um, Word document so that you can manipulate it for yourself. Put in the information that you need to have in there, okay? So I wanted to be able to give this to you. And so we're going to explain, this is just a, an explanation of subject to all the stuff that I'm always talking about in here. And, and the different ways that you can structure it, right? Well, there's more than just these six ways to structure a subject to deal, but I didn't want to write another book quite yet, uh, all right? Uh, so I just put in these six steps uh, that will allow you to look at any deal and understand what it is, right? You'll see here number six is always, always hire an attorney to do the paperwork. I'm going to give you the paperwork, and there's a ton of, well, this is the front end paperwork, but there's a lot of other paperwork that is going to be needed and it is really up to the attorney to do it. Okay. You can learn how to do warranty deeds. You can learn how to do quick claim deeds, you know, which we do. Uh, you can learn how to do all those things. I mean, I have buddies that do subject to deals that, that never go to an attorney or very rarely go to an attorney. They have, uh, and that, which is fine, but they're, you know, very well versed in this space. So it's, you know, it's not a situation. Like I like to have title insurance. I like to do all of that, which is why I go to attorneys and title companies to close my deals. To me, it's a safer bet. If anything at any point comes up, you're going to be protected uh, under the, uh, uh, under the attorney's insurance because they did the paperwork, right? Okay, cool. Uh, so here we go. Now, these are contracts that I put together. This is called uh, a notice to seller, and it's the beginning of our purchase and sale agreement, or you'll hear us say PSA. You know, this is the PSA. Uh, here it just says, you know, all the entities that we would be buying under at any given time. Uh, and, of course, that changes because sometimes we will use less of certain LLCs and more of others for different reasons, uh, mostly because of, you know, how they're packed in. Right. So or how, how full they are or, or what it does or what our intention is to do with it. Right. We have a different company that will wholesale it. We have a different company that will hold it. Several of those, actually. And we have different companies that will do the renovations. OK. All those should be very different uh, things. OK. And I explain that right in the beginning, straight away in this. The, the seller is going to get a copy of it and we go right into there. Uh, and let me see if I hit on this. 
Okay. Ah, there we go. Uh, I don't know if you can see that though. All right. So this is the second page on that notice to seller. You just have to <clears throat> tap it. You have, that's one of the reasons it's important for you to get the Word version. So let me enlarge this here so you can see it. Well, maybe not that big. That's good enough. All right, so you'll see that the notice to seller information, the disclosures, our disclosures, things we want them to know are right there. Uh, we'll let them know all that. And then you'll see your PSA, your purchasing uh, sales agreement, where you can put, you know, buyer's name, seller's name, address, all that good stuff goes in there. And then this will be, you know, what what are you buying the property for? You're going to put it there. And, and if it's subject to, you literally will put there whatever the payoff is, okay? Uh, and I'll put next to this purchase price uh, and or payoff and then go from there. Uh, but these can be different things. Like we, we're working on picking up a deal right now uh, for 388000 Some of it is um, equity and all of the rest is the loan. But the way it's being structured, because the people want it structured this way, which is fine for us, is we just took one number, one percentage, right? One interest rate and applied it to the remaining balance from the 388. We're putting 10% down and then we will uh, finance at 4.5%, which is excellent today, uh, the remaining balance. And then that one payment is going to be taken out of our account by the um, uh, servicing company. And then the servicing company will split it into two. It's going to send X number of dollars to the lender, the bank, and the rest will then be sent to or deposited in the account of that particular owner. So we want to put sometimes those things in there. It's like the owner might not want that money to, to go out that way. He might want it differently. I mean, people want things done in a, a lot of different ways. This is a big deal for sure. So well, I'm going to get to you here in a second. Uh, so <clears throat> how you do it, you do it there. And then if there's a second bank or a second mortgage, you have a line item for that there. You have a line item where you can put their uh, equity. Uh, you can see it right here. I'm sorry I don't have one of those highlight things. Uh, I'll save that for, you know, one of my upcoming updates. <laughs> So whatever the earnest money is, and then the balance that's going to be due at the closing table. So if you're putting it, like I said, in the scenario that I just gave you, it would be, you know, we're putting down 10%. Well, let's just call it 40,000. We're going to give them a thousand dollars earnest money. We'd have to bring 39,000 to the table. And uh, so I'm going to initial there. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to initial here as well, uh, as is condition. You know, we're not asking people to do anything. We will very often ask for a seven to 10 day due diligence period. <clears throat> Pardon me in this particular scenario, because we want to have some time to go and look at the property. We want to have some time to send someone out there. Maybe, right. We don't want to just take, you know, someone's word for it. That sent us pictures that could have been taken, you know, two years ago for all we know, we like for people to go in and do a live, you know, a Facebook live or a, a zoom on their phone live so we can see things and, so on and so forth. But now, you know, we have people in different places. So we just send people out there, but they can't always go right away. And these are just, you know, things that we want people to know, right? 
Uh, I can't even remember what we were doing on this one, but you'll, you'll see all of this in there, right? People can sign, people can do their thing, and that'll be the end of that, right? So that's your PSA. That's the first thing you need. You got to have that uh, PSA, period, point blank. It is wildly important to have that. All right. Uh, because it's your starting point. You can't do anything without having that in place. So everything starts with your purchase and sale agreement. Now you can use a regular purchase and sale agreement. You might think that in the state that you're in, uh, you have to use that state's uh, purchase and sale agreement, right? It's not always the case, you know, and sometimes if you're using them and you're not using an agent, you could be, you know, breaking the law just by using those because they'd be copywritten. Only these agents or brokers uh, can use them. But that's going to depend on your state. We created our own, right? We created our own. And you do want your purchase of sales agreements to be uh, thought out. Okay, you, you want them to be well, very well thought out. All right, so Mo, Mo Tillis says, uh, this is a big deal for sure. Personally think the best position in real estate. I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more, my friend. I could not agree with you more. So <clears throat> make sure, <clears throat> pardon me, make sure that you have a good PSA. The one that I'm giving you uh, right now Please, by all means, use it, take it, do what you must with it, okay? Utilize it. If you want to run it by uh, your attorney, by all means, do so. We have these updated constantly. So uh, I just want to make sure you have things that you can, that are actionable for you today, right? Like I said, all right, let's go back to it. Now, this next one is a, an assignment of a residential purchase uh uh, contract. Now you don't have to have this. I just put it in there because some people want to have an assignment sheet. The contract there says that it can be assignable. I mean, in the, in the notice to seller, the very first paragraph says, we're going to, we're going to assign this to someone somewhere. Okay. Uh, between now and the time we hit the, the closing table. So we say that, but sometimes people want to have something separate. So here you'll have your, uh, assignment of uh, your purchase uh, contract. So it just, and it's kind of, you know, short. It's really simple. No big deal. Another thing that you can have, and I want to I talk a little bit about this, this uh, limited power of attorney, okay? So it's only over your, um, anything that has to do with the property, you know, like it says there, insurance, mortgage, things like that. You're going to have to go in there and do these things. Now, in the beginning, you're going to have to be, you know, gathering information. You're going to be calling people and doing all these different things. So you don't want to wait until you get to, because some people will wait to get a, a power of attorney before, you know, to until they'll wait until they get to the closing and then they go through all this. That's not always going to work uh, well, for, well for you, especially if you are working with people that are going, you know, they're in pre-foreclosure, you know, they're weeks or even sometimes days away from the, uh, the uh, courthouse steps. So you have to be able to move quickly. So when you're signing your contract, you need to let them know, Hey, we've got to have a limited power of attorney. I need to be speaking to your, um, mortgage company for sure right now. And I can't always just get you on the phone and 
by don't ever pretend to be the person. I know people do that as well. Don't do it. Do not pretend to be the person. All right. Just get the limited power of attorney, send it into the mortgage company and talk, deal with it, deal with them. These are things that you're going to need, right? Uh, it's also going to be something which is something else we teach in, in the training. This is also going to be very important if you're putting the property in a trust, which, you know, I can only tell you what we do. We, we, we use trusts almost exclusively. <laughs> so, so, uh, you know, there's a company, but there's a trust as well. Anyway, that's all about structuring, but it's, this is a form that's going to be important for that as well. Now, if you guys have any comments about these, please, 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 please let me know. I'm here to answer your questions. All right. So you're going to put all that information in there. You're going to have it notarized uh, so you can use it. Now, this is an authorization to release information. Now, you might be saying to yourself, well, Miles, I got the limited power of attorney. Why do I need the authorization to release information? Well, you're going to need the authorization to release information specifically for the bank. They're going to want this form. All right. So even if you're, um, you, you have the limited power of attorney in place, <clears throat> this authorization to release uh, information is going to be equally as important. Believe me. Uh, it's just, it just has a different legal bearing, right? Like this is just the release of information. If you need to sign something on behalf of the, uh, previous owner, this is what you have here, right? Why do you prefer trusts? Okay. Well, let me take a minute and tell you a little bit about why I prefer trusts. Okay. <laughs> so why do I prefer trust? I like trust because they give you a lot of protection, similar to the protection that you have with, um, <clears throat> with your LLC. Uh, you can do a lot of different things, but there's more anonymity, if you will. There's more protections you know, specifically because of the anonymity, right? You can hold things in trust. You've heard the saying, you know, own nothing and control everything. You, you've heard that. I'm assuming that you've heard that own nothing but control everything. This allows you to control things. It allows you to be able to move in and out of deals. Like you could sell the trust that has the property in it. You could sell the, um, you could sell the LLC that has the property in it, right? It could be structured as a, a business sale at, uh, just as easily, probably easier actually, than it would be if you were um, just transferring the property, right? So there's a lot of easy, there's a lot of ways that you can move a lot easier inside of that trust. Uh, it gets, just gives you the ability to do everything you want. And even though you have it with the limited power of attorney, let's say that you're selling this house. Let's say you're going to sell it. Here's a perfect example of why I like to use trust. Let's say you're going to sell this house. You've, you've been, you've had it now for, I don't know how it doesn't really matter. You got it subject to, you've had it for a while and now you want to sell it. Well, even though you have this limited power of attorney over the mortgage and insurance, it doesn't give you every uh, legal right and authority to sell that property on their behalf. The trust will do that. Now you can word it in the limited power of attorney uh, that you could, that you're going to do it that way, but the check is still going to go to that other person. Whereas um, when you are the trustee, 
right? Whether you're the beneficiary uh, or not, that's a whole nother conversation. But when you're the trustee, you're the one with the power. You're the one with the checkbook. You're the one with the pen. You're going to be doing these things. You're going to be able to open up the bank account, get the check, write checks, disperse money, do all the things that you're going to need to do. That's the, so that's why I like to do these in trust. I mean, there's just so many different things that can come up and you want to have every level of protection that you can afford yourself. And these are just ways that you can go about doing it. And believe me, like, like I said in the description, you could talk to 10 different investors and they'll have all kind of different uh, contracts and forms and this and that and the other that they use. So it's really a matter of, of what you're comfortable with, what your team has shared with you in terms of how you should move in your business. That is uh, very, 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 very important that you do it like that. You got to be good at what you do. I uh, would like to send stars to support your content. Well, thank you very much. I don't know if you can, but if you can't, I don't even know what that is. I'm, a, I'm thinking that it's a money thing, but I, I've heard about it. I have heard about it. But by all means, uh, I don't know about the, the, the star sending thing. I'll look into it. But in the meantime, uh, share it with people that you think would like this content. Share it with people that you know need to know some of this stuff because this stuff is real. Uh, there's a lot of money to be made. Uh, and I promise you, if you just get down and start doing it, doing it, this is stuff that you're going to learn along the way. Okay. This is stuff that you're going to learn along the way you, cause you have to, right? So <clears throat> you'll have, you'll see me and you'll hear me talk to people all the time about just do it, just get down and do it. You don't have, you're not going to know everything right away. It took me at least 10 years to get really good at a few things, right? And then you, you kind of, kind of, I don't know, double down on the things that you're really good at. But as you also hear me say, markets shift and this strategy isn't going to work as good in one economic climate <clears throat> as it is going to in another. So as the economic climates shift, you have to be able to shift with it. That is the mark of not only a good leader, but a good business and a good business model, right? I mean, <clears throat> I don't care what it is you're selling. You could be selling uh, deodorant, you know, I don't know. But <clears throat> at some point, something's going to go uh, awry with your product or the way the product is being marketed to the public. You have to shift. You're going to have to go back in and maybe take out an ingredient that had, uh, you know, previously been fine, but for some reason now it's being vilified. So now you have to rework your formula if you want to stay in business. And point is you, you can't do the same thing all the time. It'll, everything reverts. It'll come back. But right now, as things change, you have to change with it. Okay. So let's get back to it over here. Boom. All right. So this is the subject to uh, <clears throat> addendum to the purchase and sales agreement, right? So what this does for you, these are escrow instructions. This is a very vital form. It's a big form. It's a big form, but it is important. This is you being clear with the people, right? Once you go over here into this form and you start looking at, at uh, what's going on here and every form has to be, uh, or every page has to be um, initialed so that they are clear on what it is they're doing. This is a form that uh, I will generally have this 
form signed at the closing, right? I don't necessarily have them do it right there. It, it's better for me to let the attorney do the expl explanations. Let them do all the explaining, right? You just put this form in your closing packet with your attorney or title company. Uh, you can opt to have it filled out in advance. I, I know people that do, there's nothing wrong with that. I just try not to overload people with the paperwork. You have to remember, <clears throat> excuse me, the things that we're learning here, excuse, I'm just gonna take a sip of water, excuse me. Mm. That's quality H2O. So the things that we're learning here that we talk about every week, that I talk about every day, your average seller, this isn't on their radar at all. So when you start talking about buying their house subject to, their brain's already floating, generally speaking. Like, how, how is this even possible? I've never heard of this. This is crazy business. This is legal. All that stuff that we talked about before in terms of overcoming those objections. So to immediately shovel a stack of papers in their face and try to explain it, to me, that kind of makes me, to them, look like some guy that's just trying to weasel them out of their house. So I do let them know, hey, look, like this is a regular closing. This is a real thing. We're going to wind up at this attorney's office. There's going to be a ton of papers for you to sign. I'll let you know what those are. But this isn't something that's going to stop us from doing our front end work before the actual closing date. This is something that we have, once it's closed, now we can go in and we can call the bank and, and whatever's in escrow, you have them send it to you, right? You can call the, you know, if, if they're, Taxes and insurance taxes and insurance are being escrowed generally with the insurance, which we'll talk about next week. You're going to switch that insurance up. You've got to do the right thing with the insurance. That's vital, right? Uh, but you're going to be switching that insurance out. So whatever is in the escrow will be then released to you. But this addendum is what is, well, at least part of what you're going to need to have that occur and them acknowledging it, Okay. So you'll, we'll just kind of slide down here, uh, look at some of the things that we have. Oh, there was one thing I wanted right here. Uh, seller shall hold buyer harmless and hereby releases buyer from any and all liability uh, in the event buyer decides to not keep, maintain, or obtain insurance coverage for or uh, related to the property. Now, that might sound to you like, well, why would why would I hold them harmless if they don't keep, if they don't have insurance that harms me? This is, listen, whoever's going to write the contract is going to write it heavy on their side. I write them heavy on my side. If there's something that they want to change, we go ahead and change those things. But I'm not, I'm trying to give them and myself as many protections as I can. So I wanted to show that to you because a lot of people will read it and be like, well, why, why, why is that? It's because I want to be protected just in case something happens. I want to make sure everything is fine. But they have to sign off on all these things, right? Um, buyers, uh, representations and warranties. Again, you know, this is part of it. You know, these are all the things that they're going to say. Um, buyer understands the property is being acquired subject to the seller's existing loan, secured by one or more deeds of trust against the property. This means that the existing loan will not be paid off through buyer's purchase of the property. The existing loan will remain outstanding 
and the uh, and the deed or deeds of trust securing the existing loans will remain as liens against the property, right? So, I mean, this goes through everything. The due on sale clause, it, it's just them being acknowledged. I can't remember the state, but what prompted us to have uh, a buyer's uh, warrant, buyer's uh, warranties or representations and warranties was a case. I cannot remember the state it was in though, but this was a few years ago. The attorney general in that state almost banned, uh, there were a few states, but they were contemplating just banning all this altogether because there were buyers that were saying, well, I didn't know, I didn't know, or sellers, excuse me, I didn't know that this was going to happen and that was going to happen and blah, blah, blah. Now, again, those investors are bad actors, right? They they are the kind of people that make this business from, you know, doing these kind of deals to wholesaling absolutely horrible. You know, they get the property, they flip the property to someone that probably doesn't know what they're doing. They file paperwork wrong. They do the insurance improperly. And the next thing you know, the due on sale clause is being exercised and they wash their hands with it and back away because they don't know what to do now. And the previous owner, excuse me, and the previous owner is is shook. You know, they're like, what do you mean I owe this much money? I thought this got handled two years ago or whatever the case. That's what that's all about, right? Uh, let's see here. Let me see if I can get that up there. All right. How do you explain to a seller in the initial conversation about subject to con uh, contract? That's a good question. So when I'm on the telephone with people, I don't, you know, I don't beat around the bush with that at all, right? Those folks are, are absolute morons. I don't beat around the bush at all about, you know, explaining to them what subject to is and what it is we do. When I'm talking to people on the phone, it'll go, and I'll share that with you as well. I have a, um, some people that I worked with uh, a couple weeks, a few weeks ago, so I can share some of those calls with you. I've got a bunch of them, but I'll, I'll go through it with you. Uh, not that Not that difficult, but... It's just me saying, hey, uh, okay, so it depends on my initial conversation is going to depend on how many times they've been spoken to, who's spoken to them. If it's, let's say it's me cold calling and I'm cold calling, I don't know, let's say tired landlords. I know that these people have owned this property for 10 years or longer. I know that um, they don't live in the property. And nine times out of 10, it's either vacant or rented, right? Well, it's 100 to, <laughs> 10 times out of 10, it's either going to be vacant or rented. So my conversation with them is, hey, Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so, uh, you own this property at 123 Main Street. Are you still, is it currently being rented? And they might say, you know, whatever they're going to say, yeah, it's going to be, it's rented or no, it's not rented. You know, we've got to do some work to it. And then I'll, and I'll go right into Talking about the property. Hey, have you ever thought about doing long-term corporate leases or or selling it through creative financing means? Because I'm sure that, you know, this is, you bought this to make money with it, right? You bought this as, so you could have a stream of income. Have you ever considered anything like that? That's how I do that. And then I just go, in, go into a conversation with them from there. Um, when I'm talking to someone that's in pre-foreclosure and they're, you know, days or weeks away from this particular, uh, you know, this foreclosure occurring, my conversation to them uh, at that point is going to be, hey, I know that you want to get this property sold right now. You've had a difficult time getting it sold. Maybe it was listed. You don't have any equity. 
I can help you with that. But we're going to have to do this creatively. I have eight ways when I'm talking to people. There's eight solutions to their problem, eight, that we outline for them. There's only two or three that we really want to do. We will either want to buy it for cash, but sometimes you just can't do that. Do it, take it over creatively as well, using, you know, subject to in this case, or partnering with them, right? Which is more of a novation. And you partner with them, get the property fixed, and then get that thing sold, right? Uh, eight solutions. That is correct. Yes. Yes, I say. Yes, we have eight solutions. Eight. And uh, I can go over those with you at another time. <laughs> but we're going to stick to the stick to the forms, right? Yeah, there's eight solutions. I mean, and they range from borrowing money, getting a loan, you know, uh, moving people in, just all kind of different things, right? And we genuinely will help them do that. And it doesn't happen that often, right? That's correct. Cash subject to innovations. Those are the ones that we're interested in. So, but there were times where there were like a, a husband and wife and the property's name was in one of their names and, you know, the other person wasn't on it at all. And maybe they had better credit and they didn't know that they could go get a loan. So, you know, we set that up and they were, of course, willing to do it. We didn't make anything on that. No, I think we make like 1% of the loan, but the lender pays us that, right? So uh, it helped them, right? We didn't do any real business with them, but we helped them. And that's what we're here to do. We want to make money for sure. You know, I, I think I might have made $300 on that deal or $3,400, bucks, whatever it was, or $340. Bucks. But the point I'm trying to make is you, you don't have to uh, make all the money to have an impact, right? In that case, we were impactful on, in someone's life, in a family's life. We, we went there to help them out and we helped them out. It just so happens that one of the transactions that helped them out doesn't make us a ton of money, but that doesn't matter because you went there to do a thing and you did that thing. You helped them people. You helped that family, period. So keep that in mind, please. Uh, all right. Do you have scripts for those talk tracks? You know, uh, I do. I do. The problem is the conversation can go, and you, it'll go in 50 different directions. I mean, if you call me and, and uh, whatever the situation is. So put it like this. Every list that you call is a different conversation. Would you agree with me that uh, the conversation with someone that's going through foreclosure is a lot different than the conversation with someone who's lived in a house for 25 years and they get a cold call from you? talking about do they want to downsize, right? <laughs> so, you know, do you want to sell your house? You've been there for 25 years. I know those kids are grown and gone, <laughs> right? So the conversation is always going to be different. How you started out is always going to be based on who you're calling. You have to tailor your conversation to the person that you're speaking with, right? The way you speak with your friends isn't the way you're going to speak to your boss. It's not going to, it's never going to play out that way. So you, you, you figure that part out. Once you know that, once you've determined, okay, I, I get it. My conversation has to be different. Now I know I have to talk to these people different. Ultimately, this is what I want my outcome to be. I want to buy the house one way or another, but I have to be able to talk to them first. How do I do that? And so whatever the pain point is you're calling about or potential pain point, 
That's how you start the conversation out. Hey, Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so, I see you have this property here. I'm looking at, at 123 Main Street. We're buying properties in those areas. I'd like to give you an offer on your house. And that's the coldest of cold calls, right? And we all get those. And those people are like, yeah, send me an offer. I want a million dollars. We get those people all the time, right? So if you're going to call that list, you have to make sure that you're you're ready to make offers within 48 hours, straight away. If you're ready to make offers within 48 hours, no problem. You can make those calls. But keep in mind, a lot of those people, they're not even interested in selling. You're, you're looking for a needle in the haystack when you call those folks. Those are the folks that everybody's looking for. Everybody's reaching out to the you know, vacant houses and tired landlords and blah, 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 you know, absentee landlords. Everybody's going at them the same way. Cold calls and direct mail, text messaging. You have to be more creative than that. You have to be more creative than that. If you can find a way to be creative, and I'll tell you one right now. And I know now I'm getting way off the mark, but I'll tell you one right now. I did bandit signs, right? Still do them. I did one, and I, and I think that I shared that with you. You can find it on the YouTube channel. I did a, um, where my messaging on there, and I'll just tell you what it was or what it is. When there's an area that I like to target, you know, a, a place that is shifting, you know, um, properties are be, becoming more available or we want them to, they're renovating, but it's a high rental area, maybe 70 plus percent rental area, but we know it's adjacent to a really good neighborhood and it's only a matter of time before it turns. I'll go into that neighborhood with a bunch of bandit signs, the 18 by 24 inch bandit signs, and it'll say uh, community grant program. You know, if you rent, if you are renting a house, you can receive up to $5,000 in this program. Call now. And there's a telephone number. That's what I say. And then when they call, I'm talking to the tenants that live in all these houses. These people are calling. And the tenants are giving me all how much rent they pay, how long they've been there, if they've got a job, if they're on Section 8, how they pay their rent, the condition of the property, as well as the contact information for the owner. Then I call the owner because I have a direct line to the owner now. Then I call the owner and I say, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Owner, I spoke with your tenant at, you know, 123 Main Street over here. Uh, they informed me that the house was kind of in disarray or, you know, you've had it for a good bit of time and, you know, they wanted to move. And I was wondering if you'd consider selling that property. See, my conversation with them is different now because of the way I was introduced to them, because of the way I was brought to them. And I get a hold of way more people that way. Now, is this labor intensive? Absolutely. It's not something that we do all the time. It's something that we do probably once a quarter. It just depends on uh, how, how that how uh, how things are really pulling up that way. Uh, recap: Community Grant Program. Talk to tenants. Rent condition. Talk to owner. Yes, that's exactly right. And we'll get deals that way. I mean, we. I did this in September uh, because I was dared. Someone said, "You can't do. You can't make them. You can't." I said, "I'm going to do it in 30 days. I'll make a deal. I'll do it in 30 days." And I did. I didn't do it in 30 days, if I'm being honest. I did it in 51 days, I think it was. But I made 17,000 and change is what we made in uh, on that deal. 
Okay, we had two deals that wound up coming through 10 signs that I put in one neighborhood. That was it. Okay, there's a whole thing about how I made $17,000 in 30 days on, uh, on YouTube. You can just check out the channel. So let me get back to this, the meat and potatoes of this thing right here, please. All right, so we'll get back through this here. Uh, this is just them, all their warranties. They have to initial on all this stuff. No further ownership. Not alone. Seller understands and acknowledges and agrees that the contract results um, in this, uh, in the outright purchase of the property by the buyer and is not intended to be a loan buyer to seller. So we're not doing that, right? So we're doing all the things existing. I mean, you just go over these things and you want their acknowledgement. You want their acknowledgement. Again, when I saw what was happening, uh, I was on the news, and this AG was irate over what was going on and that these folks weren't being told anything. So now um, I make sure that these things are outlined right away. They know exactly what they're doing, and they're doing it in front of an attorney, okay? So we, we generally pay all the all the fees, but we put it on there again so they know. They're not responsible for this. They are responsible for that, whatever it is. Any seller carryback stuff goes right here. If there is a seller carryback, that's a separate note that's going to be structured. The attorney does that. I mean, you could do it, but I don't recommend it. Anyway, all you see, I told you this was a, a big document. And when you, when you tell a lawyer, hey, can you write down all the things that could possibly go wrong in a subject to deal? I mean, you give them carte blanche like that and then they start writing law books. This, this is what we got, right? This is what we got. And you got to remember why this is so important. You know, uh, you guys are, are, are watching me to learn, right? Hold on. Let me get, let me get over here and get on to this next document. So they're just doing all that. All your exhibits are there. Um, you just keep going down. And that's really pretty much it. That's, I mean, that's, if I, you know, that's, that's really it. All these are just disclosures and um, exhibits. These are the, like, the, this is a quick claim deed. Uh, you're going to need to do that. But again, the attorney is going to do all this stuff. Um, sometimes you may even have a warranty deed that needs to be put on the property, but I, I don't ask them to fill out the quick claim deed. I just don't because again, I'm just, I'm just adding, uh, a bunch of stuff that they're just not going to get right then and there, right? Not under normal circumstances. And most of those things come with, um, uh, all of its warranties and representations, everything you need to know, just it's just in those documents. You got your your PSA, the assignment that you may or may not use. You've got uh, the authorization to release information, your uh, limited um, power of attorney, uh, your buyer rep and warranties, subject to addendum, which we went over. In the end, once you're doing this, you're going to be buying it in the name of a business. At some point, you're going to have to learn about these land trusts and put these things to work. You know, people are watching you. I know people are watching me, and that's why I try my best. I don't try. I do my best. I do my absolute best to, to add complete and total value to what it is I'm giving you. 
I don't want you to leave here uh, feeling empty, feeling like you've wasted your time. I want you to be like, yo, this guy Miles is amazing because I know somebody is learning from me. You know, I know people are learning from me. Somebody is learning how to be a better person, how to be a better business person simply by watching me. And I'm aware of that. And you should be aware of that for yourself. You know, somebody is always watching, watching what you do, your actions, your words, but your actions more than anything is, is learned behavior for the people that are watching you. So what you do and what you say is important. Follow through, you know, I'm not closing this out quite yet. And I, I know I sound like I am, but <laughs> follow through. I, I just, I just absolutely mean it because people are watching you. And they're learning from the things you do. So be purposeful in the way you move. In the things you say. Be thoughtful. And I know it's easier said than done in a lot of situations because sometimes, you know, it is what it is. But more often than not, we know that there's one thing that can knock you off your square and make everybody see you differently. Like Will Smith, right? I mean, he is who he is. He's not changed. He just had a bad night. He made a bad decision, a horrible decision in front of the world. But it has now defined him. Nothing else that he's done. I mean, people don't even talk about it anymore. So, I mean, we'll see how that all rebounds. But that's how you need to look at it for your life. Do you have a good place to order signs um, with wording on it? I mean, there's a bunch of places. I think there's a signs on the cheap is a place that uh, you could do that. And I'll be honest. I don't do those. I don't do the ones with the words on them. The reason is uh, the response isn't the same. So when when you go out, like if you put the, I have a big old marker, you know, uh, hold on, let me, I can show you the marker. Okay, maybe I can't show you the marker. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's over there, but I'm not going to waste any of your time looking for it. So it's a big old marker. You get it from Home Depot. I'm sure you can get it on Amazon. I bought the signs on Amazon. I bought a pack of 10 signs with the stakes that come in them uh, for $48.48, right? <clears throat> That's what I had. And then the marker was, I don't know, 5 7 $10. I, I really can't remember, but that whole excursion was like 50 bucks. And that's it. I mean, uh, you can order those on Amazon again. I mean, they come quick uh, to your door. I think they were there in a couple of days. It was just very easy th to do instead of me going, calling signs on the cheap. But the, the, from my experience and having done this for a very long time, over a couple of decades at this point, written signs just do better when it is really, really neat. And, you know, you got the colors on them and Nice big letters, everything is block and, you know, symmetric. They just don't seem to do so well. But when you have to think about it. Think about it from the person's perspective, right? When you have these um, grassroots organizations coming through a neighborhood, you got, you got to look like them because they're just regular people that have volunteered some time to do some good in the community. You know, they're knocking on doors, they're 
they're leaving things, literature, stuff like that. I look at it the same way. You know, if I was running a nonprofit organization and we had a community grant program, I'd probably be hiring, you know, college kids to go put this stuff out there. You know, people that are, uh, that have the time basically. So, uh, I, I don't know. You know, I just think that, um, well, it's not even that I think I can tell you definitively that it works better. They work just better. And in knowing that, uh, that's all I do. That's, that's all I do when I do banded signs and I'm not going to do a ton of banded signs. You know, we got a buddy, uh, he does probably maybe five or 600 banded signs a month. You know, he's putting out, it works for him, but it just takes an enormous amount of time, an enormous amount of time, especially if you're writing them. Uh, do you have a, okay, let's see here. Uh, do you have a separate doc to break down the seller financing that goes along with your offer? So that is an excellent question. <clears throat> so when I'm having the conversation with the people, I'll put it in the special stipulations in the PSA, in the purchase and sale agreement. That way, and you can make it a separate document if you wanted it, but <clears throat> I just put it in there and then the attorney will turn that into the note, if that makes sense. So um, when we have the seller that's financing the property, that's 100% financing or you know whatever, whatever we're putting down and they're financing the rest, Sometimes they're in first position, more often than not, depending on what they want down, they'll be in second position. Just depends on a couple different factors. We won't jump into that right now. But if it's just the seller and you're putting down a down payment and they're becoming your bank all the way through, it's just a, it's like a regular closing at that point. It's just they're the bank. Okay, so I hope that answers your question. Let me read it again just so I'm clear. Do you have a separate doc to break down the seller financing that goes along with your offer. Yeah. So if it's seller financing, it'll be outlined in there. If it's partially seller financing, partially subject to, it'll be outlined in there as well. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. I, I, got, I think I got to everyone today. I don't think I missed anything. Um, I wanted to share a video with you because, <clears throat> but I don't know if it's going to work. It's, it's, uh, you, you have to let me know if you could hear it. If you can't hear it, then let me know you can't hear it. And now I'll, I'll just put the link, uh, into the, um, uh, into the comments so you guys can watch it for yourself. But I wanted to share with you, you know, a feeling of never quitting, just not quitting. Uh, if you can't hear this, uh, just let me know. So let me see here. And just type in the comments if you can't hear it. No sound. All right. All right. So I'll, I'll share that with you in the comments. I'll put the link to that in the comments. 
Oh, uh, that's just a great one. So, but it's it's about just not quitting, not giving up, uh, and and just you're gonna feel like you want to quit a lot of times, especially when you're starting out. You know, just think of anything that you've ever done for the first time. Just don't quit. See it through. You know, people get frustrated because they don't close a deal in two weeks. You know, I tell people when they come in, this is a whole process. This is a, it's an entire process that you have to go through to learn and do, and you're building up your pipeline. You know, we're doing deals today from people we were having conversations with in November, right? I mean, literally, you know, there was a deal that we closed this month that we started last March, almost a year, right? And that's just following up, following up, following up, following up. That's just the way things have to be. You can't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Don't do that. You know, there was a... Um, I cannot remember his name, and these are real people. Uh, you've got this guy who bought some, he, he went out to Denver, I think it was Denver, and he bought some land. You know, this is during the gold mining, you know, the, the gold rush. He went out there to take part in that, and he found gold in, you know, on the land that he had, had bought. And um, he convinced friends and family to put money in and, went and bought all the equipment and hired some people so they could go and get all the gold out and go get rich, right? So they pulled the gold out that they could find and then it just stopped. It just it just literally stopped. It like it wasn't there. And he kept trying to figure it out. He kept digging, you know, further and further in and he found nothing and now he's just wasting his time. So he boarded it up, <clears throat> thought it was a dead bust, you know, took all of the material back to his shop and I he was doing blacksmith work, I think it was. And then some guy who bought junk, you know, he went around towns just to buy things people didn't need. And he went into this guy's barn and saw that he had all this mining equipment and said, how much would you, you know, do you want to sell all this stuff? And by the way, where's the land? Do you want to get rid of the land? I mean, if it's dead, why not? He said, yeah, I'll, I'll sell it. And he sold it to him for $100. Well, that guy knew enough to know that he didn't know everything. The guy that bought it, the, the, the guy that bought all the junk. So he went to a geologist, had the geologist come out there and say, why would a line of gold just stop right here? He said, well, it doesn't stop. The earth shifts and then it moves. So what happens is it probably moved anywhere between three feet to 10 feet in either direction. I can't tell you, but we can look at the striations and we can go from there, blah, 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 all that stuff. And they gave them a basic direction in which to go because they did it. They did the survey or whatever it is they do. He hired a team to dig three feet to the inside of that wall was the continuation of that line of gold. That man went on to make millions of dollars from that mine. And the guy that sold it to him, he wasn't mad. He didn't try to go sue him. He didn't do any of that stuff. But what he did was make himself a promise, a promise that no matter what he ever does, in, in life again, he won't quit. He'll be the best that he can be at it. He will find a way. He will find a way. And that's exactly what he did. He became an insurance salesman and made equally as much money in, in the uh, company that he built. And I'll get his name and send it to you. It was, a, it was um, something I learned in college many years ago, but I, I know it was in Denver. The point of all of this is don't quit. Things get tough. Things sometimes seem extended and elongated they just you just have to stick to it you're gonna find a way 
you, you tailor, you have these conversations, you get involved with education and mentorship, you do the things that you need to do to get ahead. That's what it takes. Always, always learn more. Always put yourself around the people that are already doing it. Okay? Find a way to make that happen for yourself. Again, before we get out of here, in the description here are all these forms. You can download them and go from there. Uh, make sure that you check your email if you do that. What you're going to get in the download, uh, what promise did you make to yourself and what was your turning point? Oh, that is absolute phenomenal uh, question. So for me, it was a career thing. I've always been an entrepreneur and I know what it means to stick with it, right? So I was in the entertainment business and I started having children. I started to grow a family in my mid-20s uh, and I could not see myself as the parent that I wanted to be by, by staying in that business. I understand, you know, why people stay, you know, the money is great. You know, when you're coming out of poverty and struggle, you know, and you have this opportunity, not just to make the money, some people fall in love with the fame as well, the notoriety of it all. I was a business guy. So the notoriety wasn't, you know, there for me, not outwardly anyway, inside the industry. Yes. But outwardly, who, who's this dude? Right. So, I just couldn't do that. And I had to find another way. I had to find another way. And there was a whole bunch that happened from the time I quit to the time I actually made money in real estate. But what I told myself is no matter what I'm going to do, I'm going to provide my family with the life I didn't have, you know, not necessarily with the life I envisioned for myself in terms of the stuff, but to make sure that they could do things that I didn't have an opportunity to do growing up if that's what they wanted to do. I made that promise to myself. And so no matter what I do, no matter what I do, I have to be able to provide that for them, period. You know, period. Some people say, you know, you, you, know, you sacrifice so much for your children. Um, I, I don't believe that I sacrificed anything. If anything, they've given me more. They've just given me everything. I love them. And I thank God every day for Whew. Anyway, thank y'all for watching. I love y'all. <clears throat> Got me all choked up thinking about my babies. <laughs> so uh, download those uh, forms. Uh, take that. Let's get to know each other a little bit better and do what we need to do. I really appreciate y'all's time today, and I'll talk to you soon. What's going on, friends and family? How y'all feeling today? I hope you're feeling great, doing well. I've had a lot of conversations over the past, I'd probably say about the past couple months, two, three months, about people wanting to get involved in real estate and asking how they can get involved in real estate given all that's going on with the economy. Well, you either have a lot of time, which means you don't have the money, or you have a lot of money, which means you don't have the time and they want to know how they can get involved in real estate. Some of them have said, look, man, what do I need to do to just get into a deal, right? I don't really have the time to do all of that. So we've just invested their money in some of the deals that we do. So I'm here to open the invitation to all my friends and family that are watching this right now. If you're interested in getting involved in real estate and you simply don't have a ton of money or you don't have a ton of time, maybe you only have 
you know, $5,000. Maybe you have $100,000. I don't know. But if you're interested in investing in real estate deals passively, truly passively, just reach out to me. You know, there's no link. This isn't an ad. Just DM me and let's have a conversation. We've got deals right now that we can fund. Right now, as of right now, multifamily as well as single family. Deals that you can be in as little as six months and as much as two or three years. Depends on the scenario and what your particular investment strategy is. All I can say is let's have a conversation. So if you're interested, friends and family, just reach out. Let's have a conversation. I'll see you later.